off uh, their first win against Tom Brady on Thursday night last week. Feels like forever ago. Feels like ages. Despite the frenetic offense at times, the Bears just played a solid game. It was well coached. It was well executed. The defense looked good. There wasn't a lot to complain about. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that you can find a ton of problems with the way the Bears played last Thursday. And I think the first thing that people are going to point to is the running game. And I think that that is very much a flawed perspective. If you look at the film and you actually take a close, I don't know, study of the offensive line play, mm -hmm. I just, I fundamentally disagree with that as the problem of this team right now. What I think is the problem is what Matt Nagy talked about in his presser about details, you know, like this, this team had the potential to really control the game, and luckily they managed the game to the point where they didn't lose. Uh, and mm -hmm. so I was pretty happy with the Bears. I, I don't know how you felt about the game. You know what, I Drew? I think what was really interesting was the Bears, they finally – Nick Foles really took command of that offense, uh, and he's streaky. That's what the broadcaster was saying. When Nick Foles, uh, when he gets into a rhythm, he's lights out. And when he got when he started streaking, uh, there was a possession in the fourth quarter that took like a crazy amount of time off the clock, and left little to no time for Tom Brady. Which, going into this game last Thursday, we were both saying it's got to be time of possession because regardless of how much time's on the clock, Tom Brady will has led. I think there was some crazy stat like he's led his teams back in the fourth quarter forty three times. I kid you not. They showed it on the Fox broadcast, but. I think Foles might be the answer. They might have the Bears might have something here, and I know you've always been a Trubisky truther, but well, it, well, here's the problem though: is that in the if anyone's grown up in Illinois in the Chicago area, you know that there are very high expectations. I think people around the country wouldn't quite realize kind of the media circus that revolves around the Bears. People want to look to Foles as like this new Pro Bowl quarterback who's going to come in and dominate teams. And that's not what this team needs. You said it last week, the greatest weapon on this team is the defense. And, you know, if that's truly your greatest weapon, that's technically who you want on the field at the end of the game. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what happened. You know, Tom Brady mismanaged his downs, and partially because the Bears' defense played that well where he had to do more. The defense forced Tom Brady to play his best on the game, and he didn't. And, you know, if you really think that that's their best weapon, technically that's who you would want on the field at the end of the game. And so Nick Foles doesn't have to be that Pro Bowl quarterback. I mean, there are certain throws. Like, I think he had, I don't know, Mooney in a, like, just a vertical route where he just, like, threw him a little underthrown and outside. It could have been a, you know, 60-yard touchdown, but he didn't make that throw. But mm -hmm. we said in the preview he didn't have to make that throw. And so Nick Foles made plays when he had to. He had that really great – just toss over to, I think, was it Montgomery? He did it to Patterson, too. Those running back wheel routes were perfectly thrown. Oh, yeah, and that so, touch pass was so great. It was so yeah, great. Yeah, and so he executed when he had to, but he's not going to be that, you know, Johnny Unitas, you know, driving two-minute drill Johnny type U. quarterback who's <laughs> going to save everybody, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's definitely not going to be Johnny Unitas, uh, but uh, – <laughs> The Bears don't need him to be. As long as he's commanding the offense and not turning the ball over, the Bears are going to be in every game. Because like we said, the world-class defense, control the ball, and just convert on third down. That's all they have to do. And, you know, I know we, 
we have mixed opinions about A-Rob. I love A-Rob. Uh, but, you know, he had 10 catches for 90 yards. I mean, that takes a lot of the burden off of the Bears' offense. So, you know. and Yeah, I don't blame him for that pick. That was, you know, that comeback. It was just a fluky pick in the first quarter yeah. when he came back. And it's like, knee hit the ball. Yeah. And the corner just happened to be in position. And so, I'm not blaming him for that pick. But I just don't see him being that, like, dominant wide receiver that everybody talks about. And, you know, he's not Tyree Kill, <laughs> you know, certainly. I yeah. mean, Mooney's the closest thing we have to that. But I think for A-Rob in this offense, now Jamie Graham is playing so well, maybe this is different. But in the past few seasons, we've kind of looked at him to be kind of like that Kelsey, like, clutch, like, yeah. going to catch Possession receiver. Him. Possession but receiver. I guess – yeah, I guess they're developing different roles now. So, I guess, yeah, he does have that high ceiling for his role. But I think that the expectation over the past three seasons or so has been that his role was going to be different. Now that we have Jimmy Graham taking kind of the load off of A-Rob, and now Mooney also taking that other role, it's almost like A-Rob is finding this like niche that he was always meant to do or meant to find. So, you know, I think it's good. Like, you always talk about or hear about how offenses can be logjammed by talent. But for this Bears offense, yeah, they've struggled at times. But because they each have very specific niche roles, it's almost like it's going to work eventually. Right. Obviously, a big part of teams is knowing your role. And I think A-Rob has kind of settled into that number one receiver role, meaning he's the primary target. And I think, to be quite honest with you, a-Rob doesn't need the Bears. The Bears need A-Rob. So uh, for Matt Nagy's offense, I think they have a diamond in the rough. And as I said last week and the week before, pay him. Get him in a long-term contract because he deserves it. Um, I think once he gets going, the rest of the offense gets going because they feed off of him. They know how hard he works and how well he represents the organization. And I think they want to do good by him. Um, I, I think that – we as fans want him to get paid and to stay because we see him producing right now. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of pretty good wide receivers in the free agency market this offseason. And right now we have a really great wide receiver who's making just leaps and bounds over last season and Anthony Miller. So I think from a business standpoint, it's kind of hard to see them paying A-Rob to where he's going to want to stay. And so if you really think Anthony Miller is going to – progress further and you also have a pretty good market for wide receivers in this free agency round mm, i don't know maybe you think you can save a million or two you know um in this offseason that said though we're not probably not going to have to pay mitch trubisky the money you thought right so and... you might be able to reapportion that money to a rob to keep him right so th- there's a lot of wrenches and kind of like the long-term thinking. So it kind of makes sense to me that they haven't paid him yet. I have questions about whether they should still just because of the way the league is looking. But Mitch Trubisky's kind of demise over the past two weeks probably has helped. Absolutely. Kind of makes sense. I mean, and to backtrack to let the audience know, Mitch Trubisky signed a four-year contract with the fifth-year option, meaning if the Bears like what they see from him, they can extend a one-year contract to him. And whatever is due in that year in the contract negotiations, they'll pay him. But the Bears, this was a prove-it year for him. He ended up falling a little short. 
Foles came in, relieved him, and he's done well by, with the Bears. And the Bears sit at four and one and second in the, in the division, and they're coming off a twenty to nineteen win over the Tampa Bay Bucks, who everyone in the league thought was the new bee's knees. So we'll see what we got going on here. And another interesting piece is you got to keep cap, salary cap space in perspective here because football players get paid a lot of money. The only thing guaranteed is their signing bonus meaning the, the guaranteed money that goes into their contract negotiations. And they've got a lot of guys who are up, whose contracts are either up or about to be up. Um, and they just got done paying Tariq Cohen, who unfortunately had a season-ending leg injury. And they've got guys, like you said, Anthony Miller will be up soon. Uh, and you know who just hit the free agent market is Le'Veon Bell, who's formerly of the New York Jets and and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he was he was a great back, but he's kind of fallen off. So, do the Bears need to go after go out in free agency and go after a guy that's owed a lot of money? Well, I mean, you're you're skirting the conversation of the running game. I think that we have to address before we even talk about the running back free agent market, right? Like, well, I mean, it is part of the conversation because Montgomery, who's a skilled player. <laughs> Is kind of becoming a one. He's more of a. I'm noticing he's more of a pass catcher than an actual run downhill guy because he's, as you said last week, he's missing by like milliseconds the holes that the Bears open up for him. Well, it's either missing or hitting too early. I think that in Matt Nagy's zone run scheme, it, it, you kind of saw Ronald Jones do this in their zone runs against the Bears, where you know sometimes you have to wait. Pay, the hole looks like it's open. But because the linebacker is sitting at the second level ready to tackle you, you have to wait. Just You have to be patient. You have to identify the gap that you have to run to in a zone run scheme. Then you have to patiently wait for the right time to hit that gap. And, and so Ronald Jones, there were multiple times when, you know, the hole looked like it was wide open, but he waited a split second until his offensive line could climb up to Danny Trevathan or Roquan Smith to get those runs to be like four-yard runs. Right. And, you know, the, the box running game on the stat sheet looked like it was great, but you save for one 37-yard run, which was just the right call against the right defense. It's like a nickel defense against like an over like tight end front where it just created too many gaps for not enough guys to tackle, right? So it's just kind of like the right call at the right time. Take away those 37 yards, the Bucks only had about, what, 69 yards on the Bears running. Something like that. Now, but Ronald Jones yeah, is great for my fantasy it, team. I'll tell you that. So, <laughs> well, it came from those four-yard runs, though, and that's from being patient. And what I see with Montgomery right now is just like he's he doesn't have the vision or patience right now to where we're getting that kind of consistent, consistent four, three, four, or five-yard runs every time. And so that's where when you brought – you sent me the thing about Le'Veon, and I was like, I remember three or four years ago – those runs with the Steelers when he knew he was comfortable just waiting in the backfield to pick his He'd moment. He'd wait forever. He was so – he was the most patient running back in the like league. 50-yard runs. It was wild. And, like, I don't know, man. I hope that the Bears can figure this out and get Le'Veon because I just think he would thrive in this offense. Right. And here's the crazy thing. The Jets are, like, literally on the hook for $8 million. They're paying him to walk, literally. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, he's owed, like, $8 million. And this is because this is a – for any job, you got to fit the culture, right? And before Le'Veon was signed, because he held out for like a year or something like that, I don't know if he held out for a year or if he he definitely held out for a little bit. 
but the Steelers weren't going to pay him what he wanted. So New York was like desperate to get a, a game changing player. They did, but in the process, they also hired a um, offensive mastermind as some people call him and Adam Gase, who's been very, who's, who's fallen short of that. Uh, but there, there's a culture clash, meaning Gase and uh, Le'Veon didn't see eye to eye with his play calling. And he literally, you know how like some people subtweet people when they're upset. He like sub favorited tweets about that fans were saying about Adam Gase's play calling and getting Le'Veon involved more. Um, yeah. Well, Adam Gase, did he come from the Trustman school? He might have. Because he, he was at the Bears, but was that under Trustman? You know, the, I can't remember. The Bear, Jay Cutler loved him. He was, and Cutler probably had, I think he had his best years with Gase. And I think, and then he went to Miami and he had underperformed. And then he ended up going to the Jets. And it's just kind of been a bad marriage, you know. Sometimes you, yeah. you, you get married. So, so maybe, you know, Le'Veon comes in with the expectation this is another pass-first offense, but now I'm a role player. I'm Like, if he comes into the team as, like, kind of like that last piece, that could be kind of an interesting dynamic, you know. Like, he – you know, they can share the load. You don't have to have that – wide receiver be the change of pace running back anymore. You can have two running backs handle that, and then you can still use Corderell Patterson and just get everything out of him for what he does best, and that's like manipulating the defenses with personnel. You know, when you put out Jimmy Graham and Corderell Patterson, you don't really know if one guy's going to be a receiver, if it's going to be an empty set, if one guy's going to be a running back. You have no idea because, you know, Jimmy Graham plays like a receiver, Corderell Patterson, receiver, playing running back. It's just there's so many ways you can manipulate it with that. It just adds a tool. If you can take the load off of him to be the change of pace running back, let Le'Veon do that, and then allow Montgomery to focus on what he does best. It just seems like it would be a great fit. I, I, I agree, too. I think another thing is it's a win-win for Le'Veon. He's already gotten paid, and yeah. running backs have a short uh, shelf life in the NFL. And – it preserve it, he'd be preserving his health by coming to the Bears because they're a pass first offense and he'd be given the role of like okay we need we need some we need at least four yards and we know we can get four yards with you and if anything Montgomery can lean in on him and learn you know I still I still think Montgomery is a good running back I don't think we've seen his full potential and Drew just to kind of preface and go back to what you were talking about about how the buccaneers were able to get to linebackers and Roquan Smith what I mean by getting the second level is for our viewers is when the when the offensive line is able to get past the defensive linemen which include the nose guards and then the defensive ends and getting the linebackers that's called the second level it's called pushing the line of scrimmage and creating space for running backs and unfortunately, the Bears, while their offensive line is great at pass blocking, they haven't been able to establish the line of scrimmage or move it, move the line of scrimmage. So I think Le'Veon Bell gives them a little bit of uh, a change of pace guy. He's also well, a bigger running back. And well, also it goes back to timing, though. The question is, are they not capable of getting to the second level? Or is the timing and cuts of these plays – developing in a way in which they're not given the opportunity to climb to the second level. And so we're not really going to know that unless there's another running back who comes and proves that the timing has been off or if the Bears coach it up and scheme it up to where they fix that. But now we're getting to even another problem, which is James Daniels' injury 
he's going to be out for the year. And I, to me, people have been criticizing James Daniels and Charles Leno, and I think their side of the line has looked great. And right. when Alex Bars came in, that's when a lot of the mistakes on that side of the line started happening. And right. so it's just he's going to need to step up, or the Bears have to figure out, I don't know, something. I, what I don't want to see happen is what we had last year and like a couple of years back where the offensive line is constantly getting – shuffled around to try and find the right mix and, you know i don't want to have that happen because then it's just soup sandwich um <laughs> but hopefully they they can figure it out because i think james daniels you know from week one i kind of thought he looked like he might be an all-pro guy right. i don't know just compared to last year i think we texted about that week one like oh my god like he looks way better yeah and i think that him playing with charles leno Together on that side of the line, they have a chemistry where just I think they've been playing great. You know? well, yeah, and, and Leno got the big money with the contract. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Daniels was coming out of Iowa, which is known for producing really good. They're like the development university that ever, all pl- fringe D1ers will go there, and then they turn out to be NFL stars like George Kittle. And uh, Daniels is coming out of there. And he, he, you know, he's gotten nothing. He's gotten better and better. And the Bears' offensive line coach has actually been very complimentary of him. His work ethic apparently this year has been really good. He works hard. He's a nice guy. I mean, working hard is the one thing. And then once you put it together, then you you feel really good for the guys that are able to put it together. I mean, even when he got injured, I had to go back. I was like, I didn't even realize he got injured on the play. It was just like a third down pass blocks. And I was like, I, you couldn't even tell he was injured on the tape. Yeah, the crazy thing is, <laughs> to, to the crazy thing is, he's also like younger than us. He's like twenty three. That's crazy. <laughs> I feel like he's been on the team for a while now, but he's that good. He's, he's starting on the Bears. Yeah. And he's twenty three. Regardless, but it's both. just kind of funny. That, like that proves how good James Daniels has been. Where it's like now we have this kind of guy who plays more like a rookie, or you know, he comes in and you can tell who the weak link on the line is. But when James Daniels is out there, you don't notice that weak link. Right. And so it just kind of goes to show how good he's been. So, you know, I am I'm worried about the O-line there. And just that one missing guy when they've had a good thing going can just, like, reverberate. It's not good. I mean, on some of those pass protection, like those plays, Alex Barr, I just I, – I don't think he was – uh, you can just tell he is inexperienced, I guess. But that's uh, okay. You know, He's running scout team. He's running scout team. He'll be in the lineup this week, most likely. And he'll – I mean, you got to build continuity. And the line, that that is the epitome of having needing to have continuity and knowing your blocking assignments and understanding the quarterback's cadence and all that stuff. So it's, it's a big deal. He's entitled to a learning curve. About the line that I, I didn't mention you before this, but I wanted to touch on is that in the past few weeks we've seen them put out Jimmy Graham on the end of the line for run plays, and he's expected to run block, and he's just not a run block guy. Oh no, he's the epitome of a finesse tight end. Here's the one point where I think the offense. And this kind of goes back to one of my criticisms of Matt Nagy is that I think that there is a certain level of mismanagement that he's not being held to account to by the media right now or, I I don't know, whatever, or upper management, and that he's not putting his players in situations where they can be successful at different times in critical critical games. So some of these run plays, he has Jimmy Graham out there going against a D lineman. That's a mismatch. 
And before the season, when they drafted Cole Komet, we were told that he's also got the potential to be a run blocker. Now, I didn't quite see that in my film study of him at Notre Dame. I don't know. I thought he kind of looked soft. He looked like a pass catcher. You know, he mm-hmm. didn't look like a guy that I put out there and run power or outside zone behind. But gotta bring back Desmond Clark, body. man. He's the big <laughs> body, and he needs to go out there and be used on these run plays because I think that he's he needs to just I don't know grow some toughness and become that guy who can go up against the D lineman because Jimmy Graham, you can't expect this guy to do that. That's but, not his skill set. Are we being too critical here? Because I feel like the Bears' offense is more of a finesse offense. They're not the kind of they're not a power eye offense. They literally snap. They call shotgun plays when they're two yards out in the red zone. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when you're trying to address the run game, well, that's why they're probably in the run game because it's a finesse offense. It's not you know the, the spread offense. The spread is supposed to open up the playbook and open up the field basically allowing the quarterback to be able to read the defense easier and to have that split second more of time because they usually get the ball in shotgun. And it's great for being a pass-heavy offense and being in a pass-heavy league like the NFL. But when you need those short yardage plays and, you know, having a fullback has almost become obsolete, you know, it's it's really difficult. It, it kind of puts you in a little bit of a tight corner, so to speak, like because – when the Bears have trouble pounding it in. And to be honest with you, kind of going to college as well, I was watching the Oklahoma-Texas game this past weekend. Texas was running the spread too, and they were on the two-yard line of Oklahoma, and they couldn't get it in. So, I mean, there's pros and cons to every offense. I think I, I do think Nagy's a skilled offensive mind, but I also think that they have to address – I feel like they have to adjust their personnel. And some personnel is okay with the finesse offense, like Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet. But I think Montgomery needs a little bit more blocking help. So give him a fullback, you know. Do a little misdirection and play-action pass out of the power eye so you open things up in the running game. I, my, my criticism is not that this isn't a finesse offense. My criticism is more of, like, if you're the offense, you know what you're going to call, and then you should know what your backup plan is because you're in control. You have the ball. And so, like, if you're going to call, like, outside zone to the tight end side, why not put the bigger body like Harris or Komet out there? Why, like, why are we putting our wide receiver more Greg Olson-style tight end out there at the end of the line? That's my one – that's my criticism. But it's just – like, we have this – it's first and ten, like, their second-to-last drive if you count the kneel through the drive. But you have, like, a linebacker – outside of him, and then you have Jimmy Graham head up against a defensive end. And I just don't think that that's putting your player in a situation to succeed. And so then when you look at the fact that then they got one yard on that run, well, why is that? Like, our job is to try and diagnose the problem, right? And if, if that's our job, like, well, that's the problem, right? Because mm-hmm. even on that, they didn't even run zone. They ran power to that side. They pulled Alex Bars in that play, runs straight to Jimmy Graham, and his guy blows up the play. I mean, come on. I mean, maybe it's a clock management call, and they're just like, oh, shoot, we need to run it. But I don't know. If I was coaching, I'd be like, hey, get the big body out there. At least then we have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was head up on Jason Pierre-Paul. Yeah. I think. Pierre-Paul's a baller, the though. we won? I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
he's he's a freak a freak athlete so i mean yeah i mean it's certainly an interesting point uh we got to, the bears do have to figure out the tight end blocking um and maybe you know they used to play around by putting in their nose guards and as fullbacks maybe they do that again yeah that, that could be interesting yeah yeah I, I mean, circa if, 1985 if with the bears putting william perry in there and running back and pounding it in from a yard out so well with this this year though i mean do they have the depth to do any of that fun stuff i don't know because they've already lost akeem uh, hicks i think akeem well, hicks lose them akeem hicks would be good lyle nichols the, was the guy that opted out that's a great uh nose guard but akeem hicks is also great i think he would be a good he's pretty athletic coming, coming off that elbow injury though i don't know if i'd want to risk like because if you lose akeem hicks it's like they're they already were kind of catching ronald jones i don't know if you yeah. kind of felt that way i mean oh, absolutely I, they did they were getting pushed back already and if you lose akeem hicks it's like yikes like how are you gonna stop Derrick Henry in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry is another guy. <laughs> He's a freak athlete. But, I mean, with uh, the Bears, I think Akeem Hicks and Blau Nichols make Cleo Mack great. Uh, Cleo Mack is already outstanding, but to be great, you need help from the defensive line. And I think, yeah. you know, he opens up they, – they open up the game for him. I mean, the Brady ended up on his back three times from that pass rush. And he also got lit up. I don't know if you, uh, if you guys saw the graphic on Thursday night, but there was a graphic of Tom Brady on the ground looking over next to uh, Cleo Mack. And he's kind of rolling his eyes. Cause he's like, <laughs> he's just like, come on, man. Like, why isn't my offensive line block blocking for me? Well, and this is how, that, that's how you beat Tom Brady, right? Like that's how the Giants beat him in the Super Bowl, right? You need to put pressure on him. You need to make him uncomfortable because otherwise he's going to find those open guys, those open receivers. And so, you know, it it, it, it kind of was like the classic Brady kryptonite game plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like you know, I felt like Robert Quinn really came alive in this game. I kind of felt like he wasn't being utilized as much. I don't know. I think he may have been on the injury list. Like he was like fighting through something early in the season, but. I just felt like you finally got that kind of dual attack. We saw flashes of it against, I think, the Giants. But, like, I kind of feel... No Gronkowski for the Bears, but, I mean, they, they have some guys that are producing. Jimmy Graham, he, he can catch, uh, you know, he's a great pass catcher, and he, he's he's a go-to guy in the red zone for the Bears. So that helps the quarterback out, especially having a, you know, a safety person to go to. Um I thought it was going to be A-Rob, but, you know, Graham is also there. So he had ended up with three catches and I think 30 yards or something like that. So pretty good. we'll see. <laughs> but who you got this weekend for the Bears-Panthers, Drew? Before Thursday, I would have said the Panthers because I thought they looked really good against the Cardinals. And I, I hate when people kind of, like, boil down their assessment to, like, the box score or, like, the points because that really doesn't tell the story of a football game. But when I watched that Cardinals and Panthers game, that was after I watched the Colts and Bears game. <laughs> and so I just felt like the game plan in the Bears-Colts game was so simple and so almost like, I don't know, I don't want to say boring, but it just felt very basic. And when I watched that Cardinals and 
Panthers game, I just felt like both the defenses and both the offenses were really like throwing everything at the wall and seeing what stuck. And so like you saw a lot of different personnel packages, formations and, and, you know, what, what have you from both sides of the ball for both teams. And so I kind of thought the Panthers got something going, you know, they clearly have these game plans. They're just calling very complex plays but then, you know, they go against the Falcons and almost lose. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, they're also on a three-game winning streak right now. They're on a three-game winning streak right now. How do you feel? Do you think they got these guys? Or? I, you know, I think the Bears got them. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is supposed to come off IR this week, um, who was league MVP last year, I believe. Um, but we'll see. Um, I don't think they have the firepower to match the bears at this point. Uh, they're under, they're in a rebuilding year. They just, they're under first year head coach, Matt rule, who came from Baylor and he's a phenomenal coach, but, and they got a good quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, but we'll see. I think the bears are going to win. I think the offense is starting to get into a groove. We know what we have with the offense. And again, like we were saying earlier, all Foles needs to do is just not turn over the football and get us a big play, like three big plays a game. That's all we need. Well, and the defense has proven that they can – they're a bend, don't break defense right now. And so, like, against Brady, they Brady put up over, like, 300 yards, right, like, of offense. Like, the Tampa Bay put up over 300. This Panthers offense looks great. They've been putting up a lot of yards in the past couple of weeks. But the Bears have proven that they can give up yardage and still be in the spot to win games. Right, right. I mean, it's something to consider. It is something to consider. Um, but like I said, I, f- I feel like the Bears are going to ride the momentum. Uh, that was a big win over the Buccaneers. I think people were starting to think, man, after the Buccaneers win over the Chargers two weeks ago, they were thinking that everyone was going to thinking that they're going to be the hot team to beat. But I think the Bears are proven to be a hot team to beat. Uh, Max Kellerman, who's a well-known ESPN personality, said as long as Foles doesn't get hurt, the Bears should be a Super Bowl contender, which is mind <laughs> mind blowing. I, I don't know about that. Like these NFC South games are really important for the wild card race, but to be a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion, in the in the past ten years, to have an actual shot at the Super Bowl, you need the bye week. You can't. It's just. It's just. What do you mean by you need the bye week? The playoff bye week. You can't oh. be playing a wild card Sunday and be a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion. Yeah, that's I mean, a lot of games. In the past five years, having that rest. Also, that extra week to uh, game plan for both teams <laughs> that you could potentially be playing. I mean, that's yeah. huge. But, I mean, hi- yeah, history says that you're going to need that extra week if you want to be a Super Bowl contender, seriously. So, I think that's a little overstated. They are a playoff contender now that they've won this critical Tampa Bay game. Like, I think if they don't win this game, it just – the window shrinks a lot when you look at the wild card race because to make the playoffs, if you did lose this game, you're going to have to beat the Packers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, it's just – let's not get ahead of ourselves and say that this is a Super Bowl team. Let's call it what it is. Right now, they have a serious – there needs to be a serious conversation about the playoffs now. Like they've proven it, they've earned their their spot in the conversation for playoffs. I think but the Bears need to get Bowl, ten or eleven wins no. this year to be a super to be in the playoffs. I mean, that, <laughs> they, that's 
They might miss it with 10 wins. They might. We'll see. I mean, their next couple games, they've got the Rams, the Saints. The Saints have been kind of up and down this year. I know Michael Thomas was hurt for a little bit. Um, Titans are in three weeks' time, uh, and they're undefeated right now. Vikings are inconsistent. Packers uh, are good. Lions are not good. Texans are not good. I mean, the Bears. Well, I don't know about that. Romeo Cornell turning that team around. Uh, we'll see. You we'll never see. know. Texans I mean, could sneak up and spoil the season. We'll see. But uh, before we get ahead of ourselves, what do you think the score will be this weekend? Who are you picking? I, well, I was thinking about that today, and I think that if you my decision-making is kind of like, okay, you have an explosive offense coming against our defense. The key is going to be to just hold this offense to three points when they get into the red zone, which the Bears have proven they can do. I think this is the week that the Bears start getting in the end zone. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the Panthers' defense hasn't been what it used to be ever since um, Ron Rivera uh, left. When Luke Keekley left, when he retired. And so I think the Bears are probably going to put up three touchdowns. You know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. They had a couple field goals, too. Um, But I'm going to take Bears 21, Panthers 20. I think the Bears are going to end up holding the Panthers early, um, which is going to come back and be critical later in the game. Um, just in terms of the way the points play out. And that's kind of what we saw last week, but kind of in a, a fluky way because I think the Tampa Bay kind of helped us out in certain ways by taking so many penalties. Um, but I think it's going to be a, a pretty clean game, and I think the Bears take it 21-20. Okay. I, I think the Bears will win as well. I'm thinking they're going to score a couple more points. I think 24-13 Bears. Um Get a field goal in there. I think the offense is playing much better, and uh, they're away, so we'll see. Um, but, yeah, Bears-Panthers Bears this weekend, Sunday, uh, October 18th at noon. Uh, Bears are sitting at second place in the NFC North at 4-1, and one, looking to go to 5-1. and one. And, yeah, so we'll see what we got. Go Bears!